Hi there. Uh, welcome uh, to the Two Hands on on the Hurl podcast. Uh, this week, hosting is myself, Jack Henney, and I am welcomed by Mr. TJ Mills and and Robbie Mansfield. TJ, how are you, bud? Impressive intro, Jack. Fair play to you. I'm good. To I know. You. I've been <laughs> shitting about it all week. I uh, know. <laughs> You're already, <laughs> uh, compared to Robbie making the balls up and me making the balls up a couple of weeks ago, fair play to you. So, <laughs> nice one. Cheers, yeah, you're doing great. Is... You're doing great, man. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's all downhill from here. It's all downhill. <laughs> um, so, um, how are you, TJ? Have you any news for us or is it all quiet? It's very quiet, very quiet now. Um, exciting as it gets is walking every day, so walking or jogging. So, yeah, I know it's a uh, hundred mile an hour every day in the excitement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. And uh, Robbie, how um how are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, kind of the same as TJ, but uh, kind of pretty boring up to now. But I'm kind of coming into an exciting week. Um. I've got four kids, as some of you might know, and uh, three of them have birthdays uh, within the next week. Wow. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a busy time. Wow, that's just that's what you call family planning, you know. <laughs> that is what you call family planning. Jesus Christ! <laughs> so I'm going to have cake coming out my ears this week. God, yeah. Well, and I guess just for some context, um, uh, how old are uh, the kids? So my youngest, uh, she's four tomorrow. And then uh, my youngest boy is six on Wednesday. And then my oldest boy is uh, uh, 12 on Friday. So, uh, yes, big, big week of birthdays. Wow. Okay, cool. And there's a bit of a um, kind of an age spread, you know, the aren't just. Well, my, my, my other daughter, she's eight and she's in December. She's on her own. Uh, so she wasn't happy. There was like cards coming for the other three kids this week. And she was like, yeah. is that my birthday? So she wasn't happy. So. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's all the drama. Actually, no, very quick, cool, very cool. Quick question, Robbie: Is it a kind of a double present in December or separate present? Uh, well, a separate present because she's like the tenth of December, so it's kind of far enough oh. away from Christmas, you know. Yeah. So it's not like you know some people who are born like you know Christmas Day or Stephen's Day or whatever, and it's like oh, well, you got you know you only get one present sort of thing. So uh, and as well, I'm on the eighth of December, so I can't really you know give I can't really try and push one present on her when I didn't get it, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of awkward. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Okay, so um, to kick off uh, season two, episode nine, um, we can do a bit of a recap on uh, last week's uh, Six Nations. Um, so last week saw Ireland versus Italy. We managed to get our first uh, win on on uh, the board. Uh, we hopefully got to answer some of the questions um, from the previous two games. TJ, do you feel from last week's performance that Ireland, you know, have kind of come out of a slump, or are there kind of still questions to answer? Uh, I think there's still questions to answer, being honest, Jack. Um, no disrespect to Italy, but it was just a victory over Italy. There were mistakes made. Yeah, there were some really good passages of play, but yeah, there are bigger games ahead. I think the Scotland game will tell a lot. If we can kind of put in the same manner of performance against Scotland and punish England, who aren't in that great a form at the moment, being honest. Um, I think then you can say progress is made, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be um ordering balloons or anything yet for a victory over Italy, being honest. Yes, yes, yes. Um yeah, because I mean in in parts Ireland definitely looked well. Uh they they mm-hmm. seem to attack well. And even in times of defence, they really seem to rush forward, kind of meet, you know, meet Italy and then, you know, give them little ground. But, you know, there was definitely like segments where, you know, stupid mistakes were made. But obviously, like you said, Italy being the kind of side they are, you're able to get away with those and they don't really punish us for it. Um, But yeah, Scotland coming up next week, um, that would be... Definitely a decider. 
um, for sure. Um, also, Wales and England playing last week. Definitely probably the match of last week. Robbie, how um, do you feel Wales are coming in, into the rest of the championship now pretty much um, you know, winning the uh, Triple Crown? Yeah, like, you know, I was kind of saying previously, like they, they didn't play well in their first two games uh, and yet they won both of them. And they had a good, decent performance against uh, against England. England are kind of, I know they are they were kind of poor enough, giving away a lot of penalties as well, but it's kind of setting up really nice for them because they have to, they have to play Italy, uh, which, you know, should be like a, you know, fairly easy win for them. Uh, as TJ was just talking about, they're not really up to much. Uh, and then they have to go to France on the last day. So, you know, <laughs> they're looking pretty good for uh, Six Nations, I think. Um, France had to play England uh, next weekend. So that'll be a real kind of tough game in terms of like an overall kind of gla- uh, Grand Slam sort of thing. So if they can kind of get over that, that's going to set up the last game as being really good. But I think... Um, Wales, like they kind of get into these sort of uh, veins of form during the Six Nations where they just kind of, no one really expects them to do anything and they go and win a Grand Slam. That's just kind of the type of teams that they have kind of produced over the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's kind of setting up pretty nice for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the England-France game goes. And then if uh, France has something to play for in the last game, you know, that could be a really, really exciting game then. Yeah, true. Um, I guess... You know, with the COVID scare in the uh, French camp, I mean, it was it like 10 or 12 players. Obviously, the head coach, Fabian, he also tested positive for COVID. And then we said numerous people in the actual uh, background, kind of, we'll say, uh, staff team also tested positive. You would wonder, um, like, how that match next, you know, next uh, weekend will go. Um, Tej, uh do you think we say all going well, and if France, you know, test negative and come out of the COVID scare clean, you think that they'll, you know, be able to kind of keep um, keep uh, momentum going and actually get a, another victory? I was just thinking about it there actually, um, when Robbie was saying it, and you're, you were saying it that. I, I kind of, even though England are in terrible form, there's they're still a, a, still a really good, decent team. And I expect them to really cause France bother. Now, even if players test negative during the week, which fingers crossed you do, you hope for that to happen because you always want each team to have the best players out unless they're playing Ireland. But um, I mean, they're going to be a couple of weeks behind in training. Now, that might not sound that much, but still, I mean, you're talking about an elite level. Now, the virus doesn't seem to really affect high-performance athletes as much as it would other people because of their... Now, I'm not saying all the case, but it seems to be that way. Now, so but I still think that it might cause a bit of bother, so... If if France don't get over England or they don't win the Six Nations this year, I think there will be serious questions about um, the celebrations that they were meant to have having after beating Ireland. They they have to look at the coach. Now, in saying that, it it takes a lot. I mean, they didn't lose a game or anything like that. It mightn't have been ideal for them not to have the Scotland game to be played either. I know there, it went to the stage where it couldn't be played because they were missing so many players. Uh, due to yeah. the tests and positive, but I, I think I think England could cause them really bother, and it wouldn't be a shock. It'd be actually I say you get decent decent odds on England pulling off a surprise, and I definitely wouldn't be surprised if England defeated France. Yeah, true, true, true. I mean, um, you know, France are a pretty young team. They are, they have you know that real typical kind of France attitude. Um, but I mean, they play really well. They have some great players, you know, probably probably some of the best players in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, they are pretty young, obviously coming into the coming into the World Cup in um, the next couple of years. They will be tipped, you know, maybe not to win it, but obviously to do really well. Um, but like that coming up against England, you know, England are pretty awkward. You know, kind of like Wales over the last couple of weeks. Um, they don't seem to be playing to a full form, but 
you know, they're just so fucking awkward and they're just and they're just England, you know. Um I guess just time will tell, but um who knows what way the last couple of games of the Six Nations kinda will kinda go towards. Um but moving on from some of the Six Nations, uh we can talk about some of the Pro 14 games. Uh, so last night we saw Munster uh win over Connacht. And did any of you actually watch that game? Yeah, I didn't catch the game. I heard I heard a bit about it though, that kind of Munster kind of uh do well enough to win kinda of in the end. It was kinda of tight enough game. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. My 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 highlight of the entire game was Ben Healy's try. Um like an absolute screamer of a try, like fantastic. Uh caught the ball around uh midfield, broke maybe five or six tacklers. Um, chipped the ball over the full back, caught it, planted the try, and did all that with a screaming mullet, like a proper fucking <laughs> mullet. Like I mean, well, that made I mean, like I mean, like how how like can you beat that? You know, I mean, you can't. Probably afraid um, to tackle him with the mullet, maybe. Jesus, you would be. Yeah, Christ. I mean, I mean, the only thing he's missing is probably like a mustache or something. But I mean, like it is pretty top tier. And Monster um, into the Pro 14 final now, or? Correct, yeah, correct. We are now into the final. Uh, well, I say we as if I'm on the team, but... I'm You're a Limerick fan, so I'm a Monster fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monster fan. Um, so, yeah, we made it into the finals, uh, which is obviously we, which is obviously some good news. Uh, there does seem to be a good bit of, you know, like talent, an awful lot of good, good uh, strong, you know, youngsters uh, on the... Um, on the Munster team. And we obviously have Leinster and Ulster tomorrow. So how do you guys feel that aside? I think it's hard to bet against Leinster, being honest, leaving any bias that would be there apart from it. I mean, it's Leinster seemed to be a real Pro 14 team. And I mean... Um, I, I I think I think Lencer will get over with a bit spare. Uh, also, are making great progress, but uh, I think it'd be a Lencer Munster final, and that'd be some cracking final to look forward to. Um, yes. But actually, the one one thing is really impressive is Joey Carberry coming back. I heard he kicked the the winning points last night. Kicked was he did? Yeah, he did. So, I mean, that's two games in a row that he's after really impressing after having, what, an 18 months or so absent. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's really boding well. Actually, a quick question. Would you draft him into the Irish squad or is it too soon? I would probably say it's just too soon. Um, now, uh, like you said, he's only came back two games. He seems super confident, uh, seems match fit. But I guess maybe that step up the you know, international test rugby. I feel like it might be too soon. I would personally prefer to just hold him back just for a little while and kind of, you know, just kind of continue the build up. But um but like you said, things are looking like super positive. Super positive. Yeah, I know. I, I think he's he's going to be the kicker to replace Jonathan Sexton, being honest, it's just a matter I say towards maybe the Nove- November internationals or whether they go with that um, yeah. the Autumn Nations Cup, is it our league or whatever. I say yeah, maybe yeah. the real life for that, for that now. Yeah, because you feel for the last, like you said, year, year and a half, he was really out of that discussion, obviously, obviously because of the injury for who will be, you know, the uh, penultimate replacement for Johnny Sexton. But um, he's only been back two weeks. But I mean, he—I mean, he definitely has people talking. Um, I mean, obviously, we're here chatting about it now. Um, but yeah, he seems like a, just a great player. Seems like he's a good head on his shoulders. And hopefully, if he can stay in uh, jury free, hopefully he'll be here for you know years, uh, years uh, to come. Hopefully. Yeah, I know definitely. Just be uh, just before you move on there, I think he has the head on him like Ron O'Gara. I, I think yeah. that's where he will really bring a new dimension to the Irish team. Um, yeah, true. The kicks, the kicks he made, the kick he made last week, um, 
was phenomenal like a kick for touch and it was just amazing like and I think that's what Ireland are lacking at the moment actually yeah and actually to add to that point of uh players who kind of remind us of old players I I feel Craig Casey reminds me of uh, of uh, Peter Stringer I don't know why I feel it's maybe just the way he plays the way he passes and stuff but to me it just feels like a reincarnated Peter Stringer which is you know a great thing for me anyway I was thinking the same actually so <laughs> yeah it really bodes well like I mean it's I mean just sure a, pic- a picture of uh, Peter Stringer holding uh, Casey there that was good doing around there, last week. <laughs> there is yeah he's he nearly as big like... as Peter Stringer in it. <laughs> yeah he's about like three or four years old he passed on the <laughs> superpowers <laughs> yeah it's all cool though he really is I mean I mean, he. I mean, he's only what twenty one, twenty two. He's very young, like. Yeah, I think it's something we don't do often enough in in Irish rugby is kind of give the really young guys, you know, a chance in at the deep end. Uh, you see a lot of like um, France and South Africa and Wales. They kind of put like uh, really young guys in at nine and ten and on the wings and stuff. And uh, you know, I think it's kind of there's definitely a an argument that we should do it more. Uh, 100%. especially at t- especially at ten, we're having lots of issues, you know. So, uh, yeah, definitely, I, th- I think getting the younger guys in uh, is a good idea as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, go on, go on. I know, sorry, I know. I was just going to say, Jerry, you'd rather you'd rather play without fear in a sense. I mean, we're and lose a game. I mean, try something, and if it doesn't work, you can say, "Here, well, feck it. At least we tried." But if it shows yeah, adventure and we're playing with kind of fear at the moment and I mean even not to drag on but I mean even the selection last week we're discussing for Italy it just showed we're desperate for a win which is kind of not shown great when you're building towards another World Cup like I mean uh, I'd agree yeah, true. Robbie says fire in the young lads see what they do and give them the experience like yeah I mean well, 100% because Obviously, like uh, you two guys just pointed on, like we hold on to people for so long. You know, what I mean, we held on to O'Gara for like maybe fifteen years. We probably held on for Johnny for like the last twelve or fourteen. And don't get me wrong, they are immense players. But yeah, like we need to get those young guys. We need to get a more experience, and even experience is great. But they need to start some games. You know, like so games against like yeah people like Italy. And whoever else, like you know, like we need to get these guys on the on the pitch, starting playing well, just so when push comes to shove, that you know we can actually rely on someone because it's just like so deja vu where you know people like Billy Burns, you know, we've had players like him in every position come on over the years, and everyone is just like, so who is this young guy coming up? Where is he from? And he mightn't do terrifically well, and then he gets roasted and. Just kind of feel as unfair for the actual player, and you know, then us, us, uh, us as a whole. Yeah, well, what I thought was kind of most disappointing about the Ireland Italy game was uh, that Sexton played for eighty minutes. Like, you know, he's a brilliant player. Uh, no one's like he's the best ten in Irish rugby. But you know, for me, that was really disappointing because we need we need to be kind of you know, as you're saying, getting these guys in, getting them experience, starting the game trying to control the game and no better game to do it than kind of Italy, you know? So that for me, the Irish performance, uh, Italy, you know, aren't great. And uh, definitely we should have started somebody else, I think, at 10. Okay. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, because we have been building, you know, you know, it's almost a kind of a cliche where, I mean, you hear of Irish coaches, people like Andy Farrell say that we're building, but, you know, we're always building. We, we like never actually you know, build something like uh, substantial. Maybe 10 years ago, you know, we had a team of like fantastic players, but nowadays that feels like it was just almost luck, the fact that so many people came up together and, you know, we were able to uh, put, you know, uh, put them all on a field together. But hopefully, hopefully uh, time uh, will tell. Hopefully. We seem to be rebuilding a team with se- or rebuilding a house with second-hand blocks. I mean, that's Ooh, no, there's so, no, there's a, a topic for another day, I say. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have probably talked about it too much. Liam now will probably be listening to this one. How long are these guys going to fucking talk about this? Or 
Let's just but, keep talking. Just piss them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Liam. It's a bit um, like the freedom we're on about Ireland should have. We're, we're kind of free today without Liam. I'm only joking. We miss him. We miss him. <laughs> yeah, no, we do, we do, we do. We do. There's no kind of leash around our neck. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, I can I can just envisage, envisage an epic Liam rant coming. He's like, oh, next oh, time yeah. I'm going to host, I'm going to fucking out all you motherfuckers. He's actually so, uh, hosting oh, yeah. next week, so we better be careful. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nice one. <laughs> nice one. But anyway, uh, moving on. So to the next topic, um, GAA hurling and, and the uh, thin bin. So the... Uh, so the rule of the Sinbin is being trialed of a period for the next year. And I guess its aim is to reduce, and I'm quoting, uh, cynical play. So I guess my answer, well, my question, and I'll start with T first. Uh, you know, cynical play, I guess, is a part of every sport. Um, you know, like, will it always be there? And, like, can the Sinbin... So can it actually help or is it just pointless? It, personal view, I think, is pointless. I, I can see what they're trying to rule out, in other words, try to get rid of in the game. But, I mean, being involved with teams, you tell them that, I mean, if a player's running at you, you're not going to let him pass. And I don't mean pole axe or anything. Far from it. Yeah. You're going to pull a jersey. You're going to kind you of... be physical. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's the I mean, hurling's a man's game. Same with football. And I mean, we're I think we're nitpicking too much into it. I mean, every year they seem to be something. Oh, we trial this and we trial that. And then players are starting to get used to it. And then all of a sudden it's scrapped because pundits aren't in favor of it. And there's a controversy, say, on the likes of Sunday game or something like that. But then it's the enforcing of it as well, which I think frustrate players the most. Because you could have one referee that will let it go and he wants a, a yes. kind of a wide open game. And then you have another referee will kind of punish it. So I, I just, I think we're getting to, I mean, the best example I can give before I finish is it's like VAR in soccer. There, there's so many incidents now you can say here, get rid of VAR go back to the referees, blinds people. It, it isn't working like the TMO in rugby. So scrap it, in other words, because every, there are too many controversies. And I think this is going to be the same. Um, I mean, you look at the Gaelic football, there's controversy with black cards. I mean, yeah. and that's one incident's a black card, the other incident isn't. So don't don't tamper with what's working already if a player gets pulled down give a yellow card if persistent yellow red punish that way but sin binning no not in favor okay cool Tej. so i guess to touch on from kind of uh from um sorry robbie what to follow on what i asked tj uh do you think it's a good or a bad idea. I mean, hurling, you know, with kind of some sports, I feel like it would probably be an easier rule to enforce. I mean, hurling, like, it's a pretty complex game. Like, there's a lot of things going on. And there's a lot of moving parts. Do you think there could be any regularity to an actual referee being able to enforce it? Or, you know, kind of, or, or kind of like Teach said, and just don't bother at all? Yeah, like, it would be very hard for for refs to enforce it like you know especially in like hurling you know it's such a fast game and such a fast paced game you know uh, yeah. you could even argue the case for having maybe two referees or something like that uh, at inter-county level or something because it's moving so fast but um, yeah like I suppose like trialing it is no harm but um, I would I would think that it is going to probably take away from kind of the joy of hurling because if any of us kind of remember back to some of the greatest hurling games we've ever seen, um, it has been when the ref has let things go. You know, the way just like yeah. let, let guys just kind of 15 on 15, just lads hopping off each other. That's the kind of the beauty of the game, like, you know, the way. So 
I would say definitely trialish. Uh, I don't think it's like an, an epidemic in hurling. It's it's definitely more of a a thing in football, you know, where lads are kind of uh, pulling people down and stuff like that. Um, so you can kind of see where the argument for a black card is in in football. But as TJ saying, it's not really like applied consistently. And I suppose there's no, you know, like you can kind of tackle in all sorts of ways in Gaelic football and hurling, you know. So it, it would be open to interpretation from the referee, you know. So um, it's hard to see it kind of working, to be honest. And I think probably if it was to kind of stay in the game, it would probably probably sanitize it a bit too much and you know lads would be kind of instead of like you know trying to go through a lad with a tackle you're might be kind of holding off and stuff like that um but uh you know like yeah definitely in hurling it's definitely not as big of an issue in terms of cynical fouling as it is in uh, football so i don't think there's really a need for it to be honest yeah true 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 because uh, one thing you touched on was obviously, I guess, just the uh, fast-paced nature of um, the game, and that's that's obviously something you know we all love, love, love about hurling, and it's such a fundamental quality of it. You're probably you're bringing more rules, um, and I guess like trying to add more like structure to uh, the point where you can reprimand players. That would probably slow it down to some degree and then like you said sanitize the actual playing and you know the actual players so to probably be a little game and almost make it less in less in kind of enjoyable to watch yeah i think is the argument as well like is 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 ga congress like just trying to give themselves you know something to do you know uh like yeah, make kind of oh like we've doing we've done lots of stuff with football we need to do something with hurling you know like whereas maybe you know is there is there a real need i don't know yeah who knows um because obviously like you said you know i guess there's no harm in trialing these things i know obviously you know teach you were saying like it's it's like good to try these things and then if things don't work out then you know from kind of year to year things are kind of chopping and changing um I guess, you know, we won't know until this time next year whether it was a complete failure or whether there'll actually be some, you know, space for it in, um, uh, you know, in the game of hurling. I guess just time will tell. Yeah, just one quick point before we move on is, um, yeah, I mean, sure. if you look at, say, the uh, the Hawkeye, um, yeah. if, when there are controversy over scores, and I agree with Hawkeye coming in, but... I mean, there's a delay of what, about 40 seconds to a minute or more yeah. for Hawkeye to kick in. And people were giving out about it, especially at the start. Now, the point I'm getting to is for that to be consistently enforced, the likes of the black card or any other rule changes or that, that maybe referees may not be consistent in, they're going to have to introduce like something like we're saying the TMO or VAR or something yeah. like that. And that's going to slow down the game more. So by trialing something and it not working because of inconsistency, it's not going to work out. Like So they're going to scrap it. We're going to say, here, we tried for a year, we're scrapping it. But then if they were to enforce it properly for it to stay in, it's going to take the entire momentum out of the game. And that's where I have the real issue out of it is consistency and how will they how will they not take away from the great sport that Gaelic football and hurling are? Yes, yes, yes. To to actually add on to that, so so uh, with Hawkeye, how many stadiums in Ireland can Hawkeye be used? I think it's three. Is it? It's uh, Parky Cueve, um, Crow Park, and uh, Semple Stadium, as far as I know. That's it. That's it. And that's where the issue is because you could have a team that could lose out in, say, the first round, say this year, where there was a knockout championship. You could have a team that could miss out because of a controversial score in Nolan yeah. Park, but yet they wouldn't be knocked out if the game was in Croke Park. And that's where the that's consistency true, yeah. is. Like, And I know it's a simple thing like Hawkeye, but by now it should be in all the county grounds whatever expense it, be, yeah. it is it should be that everyone has a level playing field that someone that's playing a christy ring game should have the same opportunities as say someone playing a first round leinster championship match in croke park and that's where consistency has to be across the board within the gea like 
Very true. No, very true. Yeah, because like you said, obviously we need the quality, the uh, tween players. And I mean, I mean, I mean, how long ago was Hawkeye brought in? Was it brought in five, six years ago or longer? Yeah, so probably at least five or six years, isn't it? It saved Kilkenny in an All Ireland one year. So no, I'm glad of it. I'm glad of it. <laughs> Last minute go, temporary free. So I say, yeah. <laughs> I know it was. It was actually only for Hawkeye that day. We would have been gone. We won the replay, but uh, yeah, I say it's about. It, it it's actually a good question. I have to look it up. I, I think it might be a bit longer. I think it might be about seven or eight year. But um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we'll say six to be safe. To we'll you know play it on the back foot. But you know, like like you said, this system is only in place in three stadiums over six years. You know, I mean, like you'd love to go to an AGM and almost talk to people and be like, you know, like what's the fuck's the story here? Like you know, yeah, is there that's a, probably is more there of a like an issue, actual no? reason. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, it was 2013. It was introduced. Um, Jesus, wow! Well, eight years ago. Yeah, so well, that's Jesus. that's the trouble. <laughs> yeah, there's only three stadiums out. It's it's you know kind of shocking in one way and also kind of a letdown. But I mean, I don't know how much it costs. You know, to mm-hmm. we'd say get the infrastructure ready and put in the cameras and all that. But I mean. Like you said, whatever the cost, that should be factored in and made made apparent, you know, to actually get it going. I just looking it up there actually before go for a break, and it's saying yeah. that for Croke Park, it's between seven and eight thousand a match to use. Jesus, fucking hell! I'd like yeah. you wonder like like where did they get the quotes for this stuff? Like, surely there's someone yeah. who can do that cheaper. Like, come on, <laughs> that's like pure cowboy stuff. Sure, cowboys. Yeah. Oh, should I be seven or eight grand? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. It's uh, actually I I don't see because like it's former referees that are using it, and I mean there are brilliant referees, Willie Barrett and Dickie Murphy are usually the ones that are the Hawkeye official. Now my understanding is because they're former referees, they, they would not be earning seven or eight thousand a game like. They might yeah. be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying like just individuals. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's pro- like there's someone who is profiting from that. Like you know, exactly. And, but to me, it just sounds like that's that's not you know completely way over the top for uh, you know of a cost. Like you know, there surely someone can do it cheaper. I'm not saying there's like individuals, you know, referees who are involved in it who are making lots of money of it. You know, there's someone making <laughs> making some dollar there for sure. Oh, there's someone it. making money. I oh, know, definitely. I oh, know, and just to clarify, if they, if they were getting a nice chunk of money for doing it, I mean, the pressure that's on them, that's completely fair and accurate. But where it's costing seven or 8,000, it's actually an article in the Irish Examiner that I came across it from last year. And it's just, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it definitely does not. But, um, Charles, we will take a break there. We will go get a cup of tea and an old crusty stone. And... Uh, and uh, we oh, will be back soon. Cool, cool. Yes. Talk to you then. Good Bye, boys. Bit. Take it easy. Bye, 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 bye. Hi, guys. And uh, welcome back uh, to the Two Hands on the Horror Pod. Um, so to carry on uh, from the first half, we can chat about uh, this week's uh, Premier League action. Um, so... I guess first, boys, we can chat about uh, the Manchester Derby, City versus uh, United. So, Tej, uh, do you think United have it in their ability to actually upset City, or uh, do you think City could actually probably keep form and just probably get through it? It's a tough one, Jack. If it was, if it wasn't again, if Man City didn't play during the week. Um, I'm trying to remember who they were playing. Was it Southampton? Um, geez, I can't remember who they were playing. I stand corrected on it, but whoever they were playing, they weren't impressive in that game. Um, so yeah. it was before... Sorry, it was Wolves. Sorry, um, they defeated them 4-1. But, I mean, Wolves were... <coughs> Wolves dominated for a good lot of that game. 
to be fair. And if it wasn't for that, I'd say here it'd be a cakewalk for City against United because United seemed to be in a bad run of form. Um, unlike Man, Man United and Liverpool, I wouldn't say it'd be a dead rubber, but I, 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 I fancy Man City to win about 2-3-1. Two, two, um, okay. Something like that, but yeah, it's it, kind of Man City are on the home straight now, so it's just a matter of picking up wins as they go along, and I think they'll pick up another one tomorrow. Very true, yeah, very true. Robbie, do you think you know, I mean, I mean, man, you seem to be like just not playing great lately. And they seem to be, you know, when they play teams that aren't that great, they almost kind of make them look like, you know, somewhat decent. Uh, you know, do you think they'll be able to kind of come out of the rut? Um, because City seem to be, you know, stronger and more confident. Or do you think they might pull some bit of an upset? Yeah, like they definitely have it in their lockers. They kind of have pulled off uh, big wins against kind of uh, big teams in the past. Um, I, I think they're maybe they're almost happy enough uh, with second. I think they're like they probably think they're not going to uh, be able to catch City. You know, like and you'll really be, be able to tell by like how ambitious they approach the game tomorrow. If they go out and they kind of really go at City, then you're going to say right, or maybe they think they can uh, win the title. But if they kind of go out and they're kind of um, just playing for a draw, like that just kind of means that maybe Ole is happy enough where they are. He's kind of thinking maybe yeah. ahead next year in the transfer window, they might get a few players and be able to challenge uh, City next year uh, and maybe win a couple of cups this year and that'll be a successful season. But um, in the last few games, they kind of haven't really been too ambitious kind of going forward. They've had three nil alls. I know one of them was Europa League. They were kind of through anyway. Um, but they kind of really haven't really shown a lot of ambition to try and catch City, you know? So, yeah. Unless they're going to come out tomorrow and try to really go for it. Um, yeah, I think they're, you know, I think they have kind of resigned to the fact that they are, you know, just going to finish second and just going to concentrate on the Cups and uh, that'll be a successful season for them. So, um, yeah, I think I think it'll probably be a boring enough game tomorrow, actually, to be honest. Do you think, yeah? Yeah, I, even though the only thing that kind of maybe uh, City might be kind of going for is run like an incredible kind of winning streak. They've won 21 games in all competitions, I think, you know, that might kind of motivate them to try and win the game. But uh, I think United yeah. will probably, they'll probably, you know, play defensive and, you know, look to catch, to score a goal, maybe from a free kick or something like that. True, true, true. And I guess to stem away from uh, the Derby, do either of you boys think that Liverpool might actually be able to crack the uh, top four or, or kind of not? I let Robbie so, do you want me to come in there, TJ? Are you still here? Yeah, I let you take <laughs> that one first. <laughs> I compose myself here. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, they're on like an incredibly bad run of form, uh, you know, and it's not all to do with, you know, the management and the guys who are playing. It's more to do with the guys who aren't playing, um, you know, and I know TJ will kind of reference the fact that they lost 7-2 to Aston Villa, even though they had Van Dijk, but missing him is kind of a big thing. Um and, you know, Klopp was kind of saying he expects all the, the current squad to stay uh, to stay there if they don't make the Champions League next season. Um, but I, I can't really see that happen. I think they're probably going to lose one big name if they don't uh, make the Champions League next year. Uh, but it's looking quite dodgy. There's a lot of teams above them. Uh, the only thing they have kind of going for them is there is a lot of games to go and a lot of teams are beating everybody, you know. But um, I think they're probably their biggest problem is they're persisting with the style uh, of like the high the high line and kind of uh, kind of trying to press teams um, and the thing is without Van Dijk they are exposed at the back with that sort of system so I think they might be better off doing uh, a more of a Leicester City type job where they kind of everyone just kind of sits in and then hit teams on a break I think they'd win a lot more games if they tried to do that um, but I don't think they will so it all depends on the teams above them, I think, right now, if they are going to drop uh, points uh, against uh, kind of smaller teams, um, that could be a window for them to come in. But other than that, you know, <laughs> it is uh, it's quite a precarious uh, situation to find themselves in. Yeah, I, I what agree. do you think? Yeah, I'd agree completely with Robbie. Um, we're in a rut. It's as simple as that. As people say, wins a habit. Losing seems to be a habit now as well. I know we won in the Champions League and that, but that's 
it's a different competition. The teams can really excel in Europe and Liverpool always did. And I mean, like we we're saying, nothing had surprised me being a Liverpool fan if we can push on and win the Champions League because the different competition. In regards to the Premiership, it's it's a real uphill battle. Um, it really is. Um, it's terrible that you're kind of fearful going in against the likes of Fulham. I know, I know you have to show every team respect, but I mean, on the run of farm we're on, um, you fancy us to get the win. But the one concerning thing I'd have and taken from what Robbie said there is uh, with Salah being taken off the other night, the body language didn't look great. And with Robbie saying a big name could leave, the likes of Salah, that could be top of the list maybe. And I hope it isn't the case because not making a, any excuse, we're in a rut. We're in a rut and it's it's very hard to get out of it. And I think the best thing could happen. I think there's what, nearly 11 games, 11 games left t- till the end of the season. Uh, if we don't get a win in the next few games, kind of get into some run of form, just one season to end and rebuild next year. Um, and I'd agree completely with r- what Robbie was saying there. We're trying to do the same tactics without our <laughs> top star players. I mean, Van Dyke, Henderson, all of those. Uh, Jota came on the other night and I mean, he's coming into a team after being out on extended injury break. I mean, he's coming into a team that's lacking real confidence. And I mean, we, we kind of have to do something. I'm not ever questioning Klopp. I'm far from it, what he's after doing for Liverpool's immense. But all great managers sometimes have to admit here, we can't keep going with the same same kind of structure in a sense. We have to blend it up and see if that can change it. And until we do that, I think we will continue to struggle. But next year will be completely different. I expect us to bounce back. But to get us out of this rut, we have to do something different. Cool, cool, cool. Was it uh, one thing you kind of touched on there, TJ, was the possibility of Salah maybe leaving? Um, like he was flirting with who was it, Real Madrid? Was it um, what was it this year or last year? Do you think it's an actual possibility of where he actually you know could potentially leave Liverpool? It'd be a big name team in Spain. Uh, I'm not dividing the question. I I think it'd be the likes of Real Madrid are someone like that. I can't see Barcelona, even though they could badly do with him going the likes of there. Um, maybe maybe it could surprise us all. Maybe the likes of PSG or something might come knocking. But I think at the moment with the run of form we're in, I mean he's still he's still one of the top scorers in the league. I think he could be the top scorer in the league. I mean, everyone's saying he's in a bad run of form. I mean, he, he's still getting goals. I mean, he still has the magic touch. And so I think if someone comes knocking and with the, the run of form we're in this year and the disappointment of not being able to do back-to-back or even compete for the title this year, I think we'd be, it'd be a really hard job to keep him. Being honest, and it, they like yeah. not drag on anymore, but they are kind of the the platform there from previous players. I mean, the likes of Suarez, Coutinho, Sterling, all of that. So that'd be the fear <clears throat> I'd have. I hope we can keep them because if we can't keep them, we have to go into the transfer market and get a really, yeah. really good replacement, which we've done before. But um, that'd be the big fear I'd have. Interesting, yeah, interesting, yeah, because obviously it would be. Like you said, it would be very problematic if um, Salah left. Just obviously wouldn't bode well, and it would definitely put an awful lot of pressure under the uh, under the uh, Liverpool management to produce, like you said, a kind of a striker of that quality again. So hopefully not, but I guess time will tell. Fingers um, crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed for sure. Yeah, for sure. But to move on from there uh, for the next topic. Yeah, kind of a good one. Uh, so to reboot Superman or to continue with the Man of Steel and to go for Man of Steel 2, what do you guys think? Are uh, you a fan of the Superman slash kind of Marvel series? Do you like where Man of Steel 
you know, went in the first series, uh, not sorry, not the first series, but the uh, but the first film. Robbie, I will start with you, man. Yeah, I thought uh, Man of Steel was a really good movie. Um, I kind of grew up on the Christopher Reeves uh, Superman, and he was always kind of the standard. And he was kind of he was kind of a bit kind of cheesy uh, sort of Superman, um, but kind of really worked well at the time. Um, and then kind of, I suppose they were kind of rebooting kind of uh, Batman, and you had the whole Christian Bale, and it was kind of real dark. And then they kind of took a lot of those elements. The kind of the dark and the kind of rough side uh, for Man of Steel as well. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a brilliant movie um, and it kind of really stood out from all the other Superman movies that had kind of gone before. Um, yeah, so I think it would be a really, really good idea uh, for like DC to stop rebooting stuff um, yeah. and just to kind of try get uh, You know, I think I'll, Henry Cavill is uh, he's a really great actor and uh, he's really good yeah, in the role. Lots of stuff yeah. he has really good, so yeah, I would definitely, you know, be in favor of uh, re- of um, Man of Steel two rather than another reboot. Yeah, definitely, because um, Henry Cavill, like he just, he, you know, he just uh, fits the bill like so well. Um, you know, he like really does look like actual Superman. You yeah. know, I mean, he actually looks like, um, we we'll say Christopher Reeves, but like just on steroids almost. You know, he just yeah, is, like, he's a lot way more jacked. <laughs> Yeah, way more Jack. Like, yeah, you know, he looks like an actual superhero. It's so impressive. And, you know, like you said, he's actually a decent actor too. Um, like, you know, he actually can act through, you know, various scenes. And then when push comes to show, but like action sequences or, or whatever, you know, he also is able to bring the physicality of it and just the visual aesthetics of kind of what a superhero should look like, I guess. Yeah, I think um, with The Witcher he, as well that he did, they were kind of, um, I think they were talking about using kind of CGI and stuff. And he was like, no, I'm going to like train, you know, really, really hard to play that role, you know. Nice. So he's all in on the gym side of things, which, you know, gets much that respect. That is big, big well. energy, that is. Yeah, that is big, big energy. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what I wanted with uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman. And that, that movie looks like it's going to be awesome. But I was kind of looking forward to him adding, you know, like 30 pounds of muscle, uh, which he don't think he has done. But it still looks like it's going to be a good movie, though. Yeah, I actually think I heard in, heard an interview, and um, you know, people were obviously talking about that same topic of, you know, would he kind of bulk up um, and go down that route? But he just said he would just kind of stay the way he is and just bring what he feels he can bring to um, to the role of Batman, which I think would be interesting. But I think it would be kind of weird to see, you know, not that there's anything wrong with a scrawny superhero, but it just doesn't look intimidating, I guess. You see, yeah. you know, just like a kind of kind of a skinny, gothic kind of looking dude. <laughs> I think he will add a bit of muscle, and he'd be like, he'd be pretty shredded. Like, um, yeah, you know, I know Christian Bailey was kind of, uh, you know, added a good bit of uh, size for each Batman he played. But um, yeah, I think the Batman looks really good, and looks like they're going to go really kind of dark with it as well. So I think that's gonna that's gonna be good, um, and it'd be really cool for you know. Um, you know, as I'm saying, kind of Man of Steel. Man of Steel too. I'm still hoping that's going to happen, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen, though. Yeah. Tej, what do uh, what do uh, you think yourself? Reboot Superman or uh, continue on with Henry Cavill and Man of Steel too? I have to be honest, lads. I never saw either of them. Um, I think neither. Only, neither. The, I think the only ah, the latest one I saw was... Batman vs Superman, and I didn't like it. I won't like That's it. That's not a probably yeah, great film, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I I'm kind of nostalgic in the sense I like the Christopher Reeves Superman, um, yeah. the likes of the old Batman and that. Maybe not the real real. I I watched the sixties Batman and then um, the one with of uh, is it Michael Keaton. Sorry. Yeah, Michael yeah. Keaton. He was a great Batman. I mean, the 90s kind of version of it. I wouldn't be a huge fan of CGI. I hope I said yeah. that right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> just in case I made a balls of it. But uh, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's, I, I don't know. I, I, They just want an appeal to me. Like some films, yeah. I mean, the likes of 2012 and disaster films or something like that if you're watching them yeah it kind of makes sense but I just I just can't take to it in kind of a superhero so 
hands up, lads, not sitting on the fence. I never saw either of them. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe just gonna maybe. like you. You prefer twenty twelve, a movie where the lava seems to speed up and slow down depending on how fast the mode of transportation they have. Oh, no, no, <laughs> is like... no, 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 no. I stand correct. And no, all what I mean is. The li- I rather the likes of CGI and something like that. Now, I can't remember what 2012 was about. It's just popped into my head that it was a disaster movie. So I was kind of in that context, but I just can't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just have to sit down and watch them. I mean, I didn't enjoy Breaking Bad for the first couple of episodes, but now I'm addicted to it. So yeah, it's maybe so a good. situation that I have to sit down and persevere with it, but I can't add any more to the debate there lads uh, until I kind of grind through and watch them (laughs) yeah I mean I definitely feel Henry Cavill has more definitely to give Um, like I only watched a couple episodes of um, The Witcher but I have seen more of his work in various other films and he actually does come across like a pretty normal nice guy um yeah, she's pretty He's a complete funny. nerd, apparently. Yeah, apparently he is. Um, so that kind of makes you like him even more. That he's just like amazingly handsome, jacked nerd. You know, it's kind of yeah. Kinda like he's taking all the boxes there. Guy. He's a real catch. Yeah, he really is. Like, and, <laughs> and, and 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 I mean, we are straight men talking about how good of a catch he is. Like, you know, so I mean, that must say something. Yeah, well, I'll go on record. Say I have a serious uh, man crush on uh, Henry Cavill. To be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is like he really does it for me. He's a serious dude. Oh yes, last. But yeah, I definitely feel like he definitely has more to give. I feel like it would be really like one of those kind of premature endings um, if it was to just kind of end here. Because um, obviously, Tej, you were saying you watched Batman versus Superman, and like I don't think it was that great of a film. But I feel like the role of Henry Cavill and Superman, like it can be so much more than that. So hopefully they give him another shot. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I feel like they'll probably do really justice. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay, so to move on to the highball. Um, so with me living down here in Limerick recently, we've had a bit of a we we've had a bit of an uproar with house parties, mainly in the UL uh, area of Limerick. There was a house party there a couple of days ago, and it's been on the news like every day since. I think it was like a hundred plus students um, just kind of got kind of sick of the rules and regulations and just decided to cut loose and have a house party. So that, so that got me and the guys talking about old house party kind of memories. Um, so I'll start off with you guys first. Tej, have you any good house party memories that uh, you are allowed to talk about on air? <laughs> <laughs> I won't pressure you know us for the real juicy well, stories. I guarantee you, there's plenty of them I can't put out on air yeah. anyway because I'd be ruined. Uh, yeah, you couldn't like. I I just with what you were saying there. Firstly, I feel sorry for the students. I mean, it's it's this lockdown's hard on everyone. And I mean, everyone enjoyed, say, college parties and going to college parties and all of that. And I mean, I hope I hope common sense will prevail. I'm not condoning what they've done. Far from it. But I can understand completely. And in regard to house parties, one memory that comes to mind is a neighbor of mine. She's actually in Australia now, um, but she had a birthday party and we're we're not 18 but we're close to 18 so there's a pile there and I fell asleep on the grass outside a tent across the road from my house and I woke up freezing cold it was I'm trying to think I think her birthday's around May April May and you know the way you can still kind of get a bit of frosty weather then and oh yeah so yeah yeah now I think it was because a friend of mine was shifting another one. I think that's why I went outside and I said, here, I leave you to it. So that, that's what I'm kind nice. of gathering. But yeah. You were just being a gentleman. I think so. I think so. I wasn't cock blocking her. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, other ones I genuinely couldn't. 
there's actually one it was it it is in a house party but one story i feel fierce embarrassed about and i can say it on air is i was in a, a pub a local pub around and it was actually a legend i mean when i started djing i was djing there and everything but was underage at the time and the guards were actually stopping going out of the village and I got paranoid because I was underage even though I was scuttered I still could get paranoid so I walked four miles Robbie or Robbie had known do you know if you're walking around say back road from Kells to Venice Bridge direction yeah I walked all that way when I only had to go a mile I walked four miles <laughs> out of the way then halfway along the road, the the intoxication of the drink took me, so I had to get rid of the, I had to go for a pee, and I fell into the ditch. And who was coming <laughs> along? Only a friend's father bringing home a hay from, and yeah, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's one of the, the PG stories I can put out there. And I don't nice. condone binge drink, and I don't condone it. Until after lockdown, and then I go on it. <laughs> nice one. Good man, good man. Nice one. Robbie, what about yourself, bro? Yeah, well, I think house parties are, you know, they're kind of uh, like being in the pub, but on steroids, you know, it's kind of just pure crack, you yeah. know, it's like no one, there's no sort of filter on what's happening, you know, music's blaring, you know, people are smoking, and just it's uh, just pure chaos everywhere, you know, so it's kind of, uh, yeah, like some really good memories of, um, a lot of them I can't really go into, but uh, I remember one time we were at a house party and the music was pretty loud and uh, kind of the guards knocked on the door and they were like, oh, open up the door. And the person who owned the house just kind of like through the little people was like, no. And then just that was that. <laughs> it was like, I think they couldn't come into the house or whatever. Um, there's also some, yeah, probably some bad stories like of uh, house parties, you know, you kind of go to people's houses or whatever and they could be out in the middle of nowhere and then you have to like walk home, you know, afterwards, yeah, <laughs> like a you know, 10 mile walk home, you know, when you're absolutely hanging, uh, hung over and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like house parties just kind of mad crack and, uh, you know, as kind of TJ was saying about the students and stuff like that, you know, obviously, you know, given the whole uh, situation, you know, it's probably not the best thing to be doing, but um, there's people talking about, like, them getting expelled and stuff like that. Like, you know, they're only, like, young people just trying to have a bit of crack and, like, you've probably they've lost, like, the last year of their lives uh, when they should have been, they should be, like, the best time of their life when they're out socialising, having the crack, having all sorts of uh, fun, and they haven't been able to do that, you know? And I've probably been surprised there hasn't been kind of more uh, stuff like this happening. Um, yeah, true. And I think... In fairness, I think a lot of young people should be commended for how they have behaved yeah. rather than, you know, uh, kind of vilifying the people who are just, you know, trying to just cut loose and have a bit of fun. I think, yeah, no, very true. I think with what Robbie said there, I think it's the lack of hope at the moment. And I'm not going to go down that avenue because, as you know, off air, I can go on it. But if they're given a bit of, <laughs> if they're given a bit of hope or given a timeline or something, say here, Bear with it. I know, it, like, every time that we're hearing announcements or something, it's bear with us, whole firm and all of that. But yet the, the work in the background isn't being done in a sense. So it's, we're kind of asking people, which we're doing, everyone's doing, but it's even harder on students. I mean, college experience is one thing that you remember for the rest of your life. You make friends for the rest of your life. And task people to go into a second year and saying, here, there's there's an end in sight, but we can't tell you when the end is coming. Like. And then yeah, sure. an awful lot of students are down there because they can't get their rent back. So they're saying here, why will we study at home after we paying rent for college? For to get rid of all of that and the likes of that and not to demonize these students is make sure that they, they don't lose their money, in other words. Then they can say, yeah. here, we give you back your money, study from at home, and then when things get better in the likes of September, you can go down. But to demonize them where they're going to be down money, in other words. I mean, to face expulsion. And what do they want them to do? Go to a doll queue? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, so... But that's my rant over anyway, but <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely do hear what what the uh two you're saying because you know obviously like everyone 
was young at one stage. I mean, if I was, I would say, 17, 18, 19 nowadays, Joe, I probably, I, I would probably be one of those kids, you know, that, you know, we're demonizing on the radios. Like, um, you know, um, I actually do feel it was a good point uh, that, um, that Robbie brought up in the sense of, you know, we aren't actually congratulating the people uh, enough to the fact of, you know, they aren't Joe going out and throwing parties and they're not um, breaking breaking um, the rules. I know they've obviously broken the rules here, but, you know, we haven't heard, we, you know, we haven't heard that much of them since they kind of started this. So that's actually a pretty, pretty big positive. And I do feel like it's pretty bad to vilify, um, we'll say, 10,000 students when there was only like maybe 100, 120 students. Um, I know an awful lot of students in UL, you know, and they're all kind of painted with the one brush as well. Um, that, you know, even though a hundred, uh, maybe a hundred people were on the actual party night out, but I think there's like ten thousand students in maybe well, maybe eight thousand. Yeah. So, I do feel like it's kind of harsh on everyone when you just put everyone under the one umbrella and term them all as unruly like youths. So, cut them a break to some degree. Um, but yeah, what they did was wrong, but you know, just get over it. Like, we'll try and we'll, you know, I guess we'll just try better tomorrow or whatever. But to face expulsion and, like you say, to almost ruin their life, like going forward just because of one night out. Like, I'm pretty sure out of all the stories that you know we can't say here today, we could be in that exact boat, you know, but just thank God we didn't do it during COVID. So it's kind yeah, of, exactly. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a signal for them just with who they are and where they were when it happened. So, yeah, like the media they, are kind of very much out to like you know whatever. There's a story, you know, they're trying to like because there's not a whole lot going on in Ireland. Yeah. So anything that happens is like, oh my god, this is a big story, and like everyone's at home. Like a lot of people are home, uh, and they're like, what are they going to do? Only listen to the story and like you know get outraged about stuff, you know. Just because there's nothing else to do, like you know, anyway. so you know, it's a bit of a mad time, all right. Yeah, actually, yeah, one thing, one thing, and one person that deserves praise at the moment for what he came out and said during the weeks, the deputy CMO Ronan Glenn, he actually said here, the the students are like with what Jack and Robbie said, the students are after doing a great job, the young people are after doing a great job, the numbers are coming down, but yet there's kind of a hysteria at the moment that, I mean, even, and I'm not going to go into it much, but even the, the hysteria around the Gordon Elliott thing, what was done was wrong, completely wrong. But so it, it's kind of social media and everyone hops on the bandwagon and don't look at the consequences of it. One stupid mistake shouldn't mean that person's life should be ruined. That's, yeah, very true. Yeah. No, super true. Um, I guess uh, from my house party story, obviously, like yourselves, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to probably pick the worst story. I'm definitely not going to name names or kind of name locations, just in case if the wrong person hears this. Um, but <laughs> I remember, yeah, uh, probably like how most house parties start. Or you know, everyone is obviously on the night out uh, beforehand, and. Every, everybody went back to the house and it was where a friend of mine or where a group of lads were renting. So obviously, you know, it's not like we're going back to, you know, like their parents' house. Obviously, this is completely free. So it was just free reign. Um, and I, I, I can't remember for sure, but, I, but after it, I heard that um, the owner of the house like announced it to the entire like bar you know, everyone come back to my house and we'll continue to party there. So we were all like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, you legend, awesome, awesome. Um, but like, I didn't think really that much more of it until we got back to the house and like just more and more and more cars were coming. We were like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, people are actually com- coming back to this. Um, and like things just got out of hand like really quickly, like, you know, um, obviously people brought liquor and stuff so we were able to keep drinking and you know, there was like lots of liquor, lots of substances, stuff like that, you know, and uh, things just started to go crazy. Like, and I can remember um, people were like ripping up carpet and 
I think one fella like he ripped out a toilet out of the actual floor in 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 the bathroom. I don't know how he did it because like that thing, <laughs> they're like bolted to the floor. It was like he ripped it right out of the floor. I was really impressed by that. Like, yeah, just thinking about that, like probably know, the owner of the house is like, I'm not even going to be angry. I'm impressed. Yeah, man, I'm actually kind of uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of impressed. But yeah, things like that, like carpet was ripped up. Remember something that took all the doors out of all the cabinets in the kitchen. So there's all the cub so it's all the cabinets were open, like you know. Just like just like ripped off all the doors. Just things like that, like just stupid things. Just things got out of hand, like, you know. Uh, but then obviously This you is why they have closing times for pubs, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, hundred percent. Um yeah, like things just got wild because you know, I guess when one person did one thing, then another person got drunk and I was like, Oh well I'm oh well I'm gonna do this and then you know it just kept fucking just escalating and escalating until the following day. I remember, uh, like obviously a lot of us were asleep in the house and I think someone's parents came to collect them. And, uh, was it one person woke up and he saw their parents. So the father and your man's sister were walking around and they were like kicking people to wake them up. And they were like roaring at us <laughs> saying, you know, you know, where is this person or are they? And then he just saw that and just turned back over to sleep and just was like, don't wake up, don't wake up, don't wake up. <laughs> and then, you know, your man eventually left. But like, yeah, that was probably one of the bad ones. But we can look back at it now and laugh. But Jesus, at the time, yeah, it was pretty, it was kind of pretty lawless. Crazy stuff. I actually... Good was, times, though. It was gas one. Um, was that a house party after 21st one time? Not mentioning where it was or who it was or anything, but... They had this big marquee back at the house and absolute, do you know those blue crates of beer or do you know those blue crates that are in pubs, you know, to put the empty bottles in? They're about yeah. four foot be by three, three foot or something. But that full of ice and beard was actually unreal. But what did they do? They had a DJ and everything set up. So everything was going brilliant. You know, start of a house party takes about 10 minutes, 10, 20 minutes for things to warm up. DJ was going brilliant and everything. And here, didn't they put the cable for the DJ under the dance floor? So every time someone got up to dance, sound system lights, everything went. And then it, it talked, <laughs> so people were scuttered, including the DJ. And no one could figure out for a couple of hours what was going wrong. Like, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, it's boy. good days. Good days. Drunk people not to be trusted. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, sure. I, I guess, guys, will we, uh, will we call it there? Yeah, yeah we'll leave it there. Yeah, perfect stuff. I guess that wasn't too bad now for. What season two, episode nine? I know, fair yeah, play, good. Jack, and you done brilliant presenting your first one as well. So great credit to you as well. Fair play to you. Cheers, boys. Yeah, uh, it uh, wasn't too bad. I actually a gas one. I don't know if anyone saw that. I have to shout it out before we finish. Uh, our good friend Liam was typing in our chat. How long is this episode going to be? So oh, it's, it's a pity long, we're running out of time because. I think we should go a bit longer only for that to piss them off. <laughs> Just to piss them, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> but full of quality, we hope. Oh, that's it. Quality and uh, quality and uh, quantity. Definitely. Go for both of them. <laughs> cool, guys. Chat after. Talk cool, to you, guys. Take it easy. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Mm-hmm.